Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. This is Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Okay, Wednesday, 14th of February, 2024, TNT, today's news talk, Locked and Loaded. I am Rick Munn, and during the course of this hour, I'm going to be talking with Gemma Cooper, of course, and also uh, two very uh, special guests, the first one of which making her debut on Locked and Loaded, Christine Hart, who is a private investigator with over 35 years experience. We're going to be digging into uh, phone hacking, the phone hacking scandal recently where old Prince Harry's been paid about 300 grand from the Mirror Group. Not going to be talking about him, but rather this uh, intrusion into people's privacy through phone hacking. And then uh, to wrap up the show, we've got Fabio Vici joining me again. He is a professor of critical theory and Italian at Cardiff University. So very happy to be joined by Fabio again today to look at uh, some of the things that are going on on the old geopolitical stage on the world. So that is all still to come. Uh, Before we get there, though, uh, just to make you lovely people aware, TNT's website is our hub. Okay, it's our hub where you can go and connect to our live streams. Uh, There's one embedded on the front page of the website, tntradio.live. You can link through to our YouTube live stream where you can watch it on video rather than just listen in. We've got a back catalog that's available for listening via our app that can be downloaded on the Google Play Store and the App Store as well. So if you haven't done it, uh, download the app if you can and tell someone about TNT. We have a very high conversion rate here at TNT. Generally speaking, when people taste uh, the product uh, that they have here, they take a little sample of here. And in fact, not generally speaking, the vast majority of people really like it and do keep coming back and do recommend it to other people. So please continue to spread the word uh, about TNT. Uh, Interestingly, uh, well, actually, there was a story I was going to, we didn't get covering it uh, in time with uh, Natalie during the open line show, but there's a hospital in Ireland Okay, and I'm just going to bring this to your attention now. The bill for the National Children's Hospital in Ireland that's going to be built in and around Dublin is now exceeding €2 billion, Euro, uh, Stephen Donnelly has told uh, the government. So Tanishta Michael Martin has said that the government will learn lessons from how the costs of this bill has rocketed. The final bill for the long-awaited National Children's Hospital will now exceed $2 billion. Uh, Donnelly confirmed to ministers today that the cost for the project had gone up by half a billion, taking the final bill to $2.24 billion. The previous estimate in uh, 2019 put the final bill at $1.7 billion. And listen, I know projects can go over budget. I know they can run over time. But come on, give me a break. Uh, Quantity surveyors, uh, architects, you mean to tell me they overshot the budget by half a billion? Give me a break. Uh, Martin said the hospital will open this year with a target date of October, telling the doll we will not be allocating any more money to this build. So what happens? What happens if they run out of cash then and they can't put the roof on or they can't wire the electrics up or they can't put the finishing touches? Are they going to leave this hospital, this kid's hospital that they've shelled out $2.25 billion on? They're going to leave it unfinished? I think not. Uh, so to say that they're not going to put any more money into this, I would be very surprised if they don't. But he also predicted there will be years of disputes with the contractor about payments even when the hospital is fully open. How on earth 
can you get it so wrong, especially when you're dealing with uh, multi-billion euro budgets? Never mind 100 million uh, built here in a housing development there. This is a huge project that's been ongoing now for the best part of four years, and still they're shooting way over budget on it. And of course, the facility isn't open. Uh, no one has derived any benefit from it yet, but yet the costs keep racking up and spiraling ever higher. So again, there's no shortage. Listen, if you're stuck for news and you're scratching your head, where shall I look? Look no further than Ireland. Uh, it never ends. The madness never ends here on the Emerald Isle. But anyway, enough of my moaning about my uh, my beautiful place in which I live. I'm going to take a brief pause and welcome Gemma back to the fray here exclusively on TNT, today's news talk. Talk that matters. For once, we just need to do what's best for this damn country and not what's best for the world. Today's news talk radio, TNT. 2.24 billion, not million, billion, overshot by half a billion. Imagine you were a consultant, Gemma, you know, if you had ended up as an architect or a quantity surveyor and you overshot a budget by half a billion. Would you have the audacity even to charge them for your services? <laughs> well, quite. Maybe I wouldn't, but, you know, others would. That's the kind of message coming across here, isn't it? Others would. Money talks. But, yeah, it's extraordinary figures. Eye-watering figures there in that uh, that story. Mm -hmm. They are. And, this, and it still hasn't opened. Don't forget there they have a provisional date of this opening because it keeps overshooting the mark of October. That's still another, what, uh, seven months, uh, seven months away, eight months away before it might open. And they're already talking about uh, there could be more money needs to be allocated to this, but we're not going to. It's the classic case of just kicking that can further and further down the road. And the one people that are benefiting from this, not the kids that are going to be treated there because the hospital hasn't been open, or the people in the area, it's the contractors. They're getting paid week in and week out by the government, uh, but there's no service has actually been provided yet. It's mental. It should be cash on delivery uh, with these projects. That would put a rocket up the builder's asses, don't you think? I do think as well it warrants a further investigation as to who the contractors are, the firm behind the contractors possibly, because we all know about, you know, especially former politicians, you know, once you leave office, you join the boards of various directors on the various different companies, you you you, you make uh, use of all the contacts you made while you were sitting in parliament, and you then go into, into business, maybe several businesses actually, uh, and so you don't know where vested interests actually lie and who's actually benefiting from this huge government handout at the moment you're quite rightly saying there's nothing's been delivered it's, it's it's money for nothing um who's on the board of directors of that company that got the contract or whose whose cousin is on the board of directors whose mm -hmm. former schoolmate is on the board of directors that's where it gets all murky and shadowy and you know contracts are given and uh, companies that aren't really fit to do the job because you know, you know someone on the board and kickbacks and all that kind of thing. It's well known in the construction industry about kickbacks to councils and, mm -hmm. you know, the huge scandals here in the UK and the north of England in the 60s and 70s of councils awarding contracts to people and, and, and all of the, you know, kickbacks that went along with it. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. It, it's still continuing. And it, it's just, I think people have got so jaded by this type of kind of behavior and, and, and the way business is done by governments and, and private sector companies that people just roll their eyes and go, oh, you know, that's just the way things are. That's not how they should be, uh, but, but that seems to be how things are.
It is, it is. And any builder or anybody that gets a government contract rubs their hands together with glee because they know they're not going to have any problems getting paid. There's procurement units and finance departments. Make sure that these guys get paid in quick, smart fashion. And if they're not, they're on the phone bitching and moaning and complaining about it. And they jump through hoops to make sure contractors get paid. So again, there's a, a laxness, I think, that comes with uh, obtaining a government contract where you know you can slip up a little, go a little bit behind budget. You know you're still going to get paid anyway because of uh, the rules and procedures that are set in force when these contracts are actually tendered out uh, to various contractors. But uh, digressing slightly there, EVs never too far away from discussion. Uh, interesting to watch the bubble burst or the, 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 the dam break in real time here. Now we're being told uh, last week, just to preface the story that you're going to bring us, Elon Musk himself uh, was rolling out a winter discount scheme for Tesla uh, Model Y, saying we're going to offer $1,000 off during the winter months because we know people don't really want to go out and buy cars. It's not really much of a bit of a miserable discount, isn't it? Uh, but it's not just him offering discounts. The dealers can't shift these cars either. No, and this is a follow-up here in the UK to the story we did at the end of last week, you and I. Do you remember there was a House of Lords committee report mm -hmm. that was presented to the government and they were trying to blame Mr. Bean for the for the decline sure. in, in, in interest in EVs in the UK, you know, because Rowan Atkinson, the actor who plays Mr. Bean and Johnny English in those Hollywood films um, is a keen petrol head. And he'd written an article some months previous, uh, uh, maybe even a year previous now, actually, in, in, a, in a paper here saying the bubble had burst for him. He thought electric vehicles were quite soulless. The House of Lords were trying to trying to put, pin the blame solely on him. That's why nobody wants to buy an electric car. And we covered that story. Um, this is a follow up to that story um, where, you know, this was only a matter of time, you know, Elon Musk slashing $1,000 off his Y model, his Tesla model, his EV. Uh, car manufacturers in the UK this week have announced discounts on EVs of 25% in a massively desperate attempt now to shift these cars, which nobody wants to buy. They've got stock coming out of their ears and they don't know what to do with it. So now they have saying, because demand has dropped so much here in the UK, and I'm sure this is worldwide as well, if Elon Musk is anything to go mm -hmm. by, um, they're saying that uh, uh, you know some cars were on the market for 34 thousand pounds you can now pick one up for twenty eight thousand um, pounds they're saying that uh, it, the uh, lack of infrastructure charging which we've talked mm -hmm. about um, mm -hmm. the batteries not being able to be replaced um, is leading to people just walking away from EVs in their droves manufacturers misjudged the market and are now left with an excess of stock and these discounts that they're offering of up to 25 percent on many many EV models um, are, are far outstrip the discounts that are being offered on petrol, diesel, and hybrid models in the UK. There are discounts to be had there, but nowhere near like the discounts that we're now being seen this week on EV cars. Whether it will work, Rick, is the question. You know, it, I'm, I'm of the opinion, it's my personal opinion, looking at the facts here, that you probably couldn't give these things away now. Nobody, just absolutely nobody wants them. Mm -hmm. And what are they going to do? What are they going to do with all these? I mean, the Voxer Corsa Electra is one that's been talked about and the Voxer Mocha, Voxel Mocha, they're the ones with mm -hmm. the hugest discounts. Will we see loads of people driving Vo Voxel Corsa Electras and Voxel Mockers? I don't think so. Um, what no. will they do with all this stock? 
They're screwed. They're screwed in no uncertain terms. Uh, that's basically the position that they're in. And I don't envy dealers because think about it from their business point of view as well. They have uh, car lots. Most of the time, if you go to a dealer, they'll have a big forecourt. They'll have a showroom. They'll have the best cars in there. These EVs take up real estate in dealership forecourts, which means when the EVs are there and they're not selling, it means other cars can't be parked there that would sell. So what are they going to do with the unsold stock? They're probably going to have to lease ground and shift the EVs out of there to make room for good old-fashioned petrol and diesel cars that are selling because if they don't, the lights are going to go out in the showrooms, of course, but it also relies on cash flow. Dealers usually have to sell their stock and then replace their stock with the proceeds that they they had from the previous sales. But if the EVs aren't shifting, Gemma, and maybe you've took a gamble as a dealer and decided to go hard in on the EVs and they're not shifting, it means your cash flow is also wrecked as well. I would say you'll see a lot of dealers uh, shuttering down, sadly, as a result of this uh, misjudgment on the EV market. And I hate to say this, but we've been trumpeting on about this, uh, covering this for years here. Uh, I, I remember talking to Big Roach Tattersall about this, you know, as soon as TNT launched back in 2022, we were looking at what might happen. And all the stuff that we said would probably happen is now coming to pass. We're now reporting on it from mainstream sources, but we were uh, trying to foreguess what would happen uh, back in 2022. So it's grim. And uh, cheapest chips, the saying goes, there's this thing too, right? There's a balance. If you keep knocking money off something and it's perceived as being really dirt cheap, it's not prestigious anymore and you're less likely to buy it. So the discounts are actually so high at the minute. It's like, this is dirt cheap. You know, you can't give these things away. So people would be asking questions. Well, why are they so cheap? Are they really crap? And people are going to ask questions about it. So they're caught between a rock and a hard place. How far do we discount before this This is deemed to be a trash product and nobody will take it, even if we're giving it away? Maybe they should give a free EV with every diesel car purchased and maybe that would shift the uh, sales. I don't know what they're going to do. Well, it's clear that it's clear they they are clutching at every available straw, isn't it? From blaming Mr. Bean, you know, the House of Lords blaming Mr. Bean for the for the lack of interest in EVs. I mean, that was a that was a straw clutcher in itself, which we talked about last Friday. But now, you know, these huge whopping great discounts, and with even Elon Musk having to say, "I'll knock a thousand pounds off my Tesla Y model because you know I know the winter's a difficult time to buy a car." That's that's everyone's like, "That's rubbish." You know, if you want to buy a car, you need to buy a car. You will buy a car. And, and obviously the comparable discounts with petrol, diesel and hybrid not matching up at all. They're not having to slash those those cars, uh, the prices, because those cars, as you rightly say, are selling. My, my, my question, and it is a rhetorical one, I, you know, well, it's not a rhetorical one. I don't know the answer is what will they do with this stock? Do they dismantle it? Do they recycle it? I, I, you know, I'm not au fait with how the vehicle industry works, but is it possible that they have another use if they're just languishing those somewhere? Batteries, do they go to landfill, batteries. you know? Those batteries mm -hmm. cannot be, those batteries are held. It's like wind turbines, okay? They have to bury wind turbines. They have to dig holes in the ground and put them in it because you can't recycle those big things. It's electrical components and all the all the minerals, rare earth minerals that are in those things as well. You can't just recycle them simply. And if there's a deluge of EV batteries coming in, it's going to be the same thing as well. And think about this too. What other prestigious brand have you seen recently? Like you don't see Rolex watches saying we're offering a $1,000 winter discount because we know it's a tough time of the year. 
Tesla's deemed to be the prestige EV brand. So when the prestige brand leader is effectively slashing prices because of hard winter trading conditions, you know the writing is on the wall. But anyway, good luck to you if you've bought one and uh, think twice before parting with your hard-earned cash. And remember, we warned you, don't come crying to us if you have a bad EV experience after listening to this show uh, and many other shows uh, over the last year too, because I'd hate to say it, but we've told you so. But anyway, uh, we're not gloating in the slightest, Gemma. Uh, and I've uh, got to take a break right now. And uh, I've got Christine Hart incoming, all being well. Gemma will be back with us again uh, tomorrow morning with uh, Open Line and, of course, Lock and Loaded. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break on TNT, today's news. TNT's Jeremy Nell. Nice comment here from Rebecca. She says, the youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled. And she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so antisocial also. The business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they could they be given permission not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs. I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois. And this dog, this Malinois, is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles. Is lying under my desk at the moment feeling sorry for herself because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right minds goes to their boss and says, would you mind? I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's okay because I've got other priorities in a, in a town down the road. Jeremy now on today's News Talk TNT. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at this stuff. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, uh, we're continuing on merrily through the show here this morning. I'm really happy to be joined for the first time on uh, Locked and Loaded by Christine Hart. Uh, Christine is a private investigator with over 35 years experience. I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit nervous about talking to her in case she does a deep dive on me after the show. Not guilty, Your Honor, not guilty. Uh, she's also a journalist and a Sunday Times best-selling author. So welcome uh, to the show, Christine. We're going to be digging into uh, some shady 
dirty business here this morning, namely uh, phone hacking. There's been a case, a high-profile case recently where old Prince Harry has managed to land himself about 300 grand's worth of damages from the Mirror Group for uh, alleged phone hacking or proven phone hacking in his case, prying into his private life. Um, is that something that's easily done or commonplace? We, we, you think about the royalty, you think they would have very high levels of personal security when it comes to electronic devices, but obviously not in the case of Prince Harry. I think that in the case of Prince Harry, no, but I think when they got out of their pram and started um you know hacking the other royals then they got caught because you know if you remember they did actually get caught there's a kind of false narrative going around that the guardian brought them down but they actually were brought down themselves uh the story behind that now nobody's mentioned this mr big behind the phone hacking it was actually an ex etonian uh, a very, very wealthy upper middle class man who works for all the ex MI6 agencies in London, uh, such as Hacklight, Kroll. Uh, it was he, now that was uh, at the time my partner, it was I who brought him into the news of the world, not realizing that he was into this kind of thing. I introduced him to the news editors. And they were like over the moon. Uh, next thing, I wasn't used as much as a private investigator. I went off to Belfast to write about oh. the real IRA, to um, work for the Sunday Times. And then when I came back, um, I met up with one of the editors, Greg Miskew, who sadly uh, passed away um, a couple of years ago. And he said, oh, we've got all high tech now. And um, I thought, well, having been a private investigator since I was 19, high tech means illegal. So I went home and the first person I rang was this, uh, you know, individual, I'll call him John, who I had brought in. And I said, what's happening with the news of the world? They're talking about they've gone high tech and you and I as private investigators, of course, know that's illegal and you have to be careful with what you do. And he said, oh, Chris, I haven't worked for them since they dropped me um, six months ago. And um, they owed me a quarter of a million pounds he said I had to blackmail them to get my money from Andy Coulson. And um, I said to him, well, listen, they was um, over lunch. Uh, Greg Miskew was talking to someone called Glynn. And he went, I don't believe it. And what they did, John was too expensive. I think he must have been charging a grand per person. They decided to steal his office boy, this ex-footballer who had come in, uh, John had trained him. And so he knew the score. So what happened, the News of the World thought it would be a good idea to take this person, put him on 100 grand a year as a member of staff. Now, the problem was this, uh, this, this individual wasn't a private investigator. He didn't know about security. He didn't know about um, shredding work. So the News of the World started to play private investigations agency. And of course, they didn't have the background. They didn't have the know-how. They're journalists and editors. And this is why it, you know, imploded. And of course, John was very, very angry that they'd done this to them. It was very abusive. It was all, almost like a kind of gangster thing to do, you know. Yeah. And um, so he had high contacts with MI6 and the police. 
And he said to me, Chris, I'm going to destroy the news of the world. And this is a, a very little known fact. And he he actually destroyed it. It wasn't the Guardian reporters. It wasn't um, Prince Harry. It wasn't hacked off. It was this individual. Now, it's so interesting that the phone hacking was talked about, you know, years ago, and now it's mm -hmm. raised its head. And still to this day, John isn't mentioned, which shows you what the British are like. If you're rich and well-connected, you get left out of the entire story. Now, if they included him in the story, it also begs the question, was giving them this particular trick, it was a silly, crass trick where they listen to phone mails, they go into the answered box. Was it put into Fleet Street by these XMI6 agencies that work. Christopher Steele is one of them. John worked for Christopher Steele at one point, who um, you know had a go at Trump with the Russians. Yeah. Was it bought into Fleet Street to stop Fleet Street investigating politicians and dirty work and expose them? I think yes. And I think yes, because John hasn't been talked about. Why hasn't he been talked about? I know um, a BBC journalist was trying to do a documentary about it, asked me would I appear in it, and I said yes. Then they came back and they said it's, it's been, um, you know, it's had a pin stuck in it. And I said, why? And she said, because he's so powerful, because of his connections. And this isn't right, because the British public have been informed so much about phone hacking this, phone hacking that, and yet nobody knows about the person that invented it or where it came from or what he was like or a profile of him. And he's a fascinating almost like a James Bond character. He's charismatic, he's good looking, he's extremely rich. He moves with politicians and, and pop stars. Um, he lives in uh, on an estate with a winery. Um, Operation Wheating went to interview him and they were stopped at the gate. They didn't even get to meet him. And this is how um, our media lie to the British public because they just get a tiny bit of the story. And it's, it's really... It's really unfair. I don't like it. It's just a, they, they just give the tip of the iceberg without uh, going any deeper than that. Um, we've got to take a little, uh, just a very brief headline break. But when we come back at the other side of that, I want to look at that. There was a chap I had on uh, the show yesterday, Rob Hutchinson from South Africa. He was talking about a spy bill that's currently going through uh, this at haste through the South African Parliament, trying to get that pushed in where uh, surveillance will be par for the course. Uh, everybody's browsing history, all South African citizens, uh, phone records, if needed to be, will be freely available to the government. Government. I want to look at that plus how technology has moved on because obviously when this phone hacking allegations uh, were made against or Harry brought and uh, he's received his damages, this happened quite a few years ago and there's been massive leaps uh, in technology both for you as the user of uh, handheld uh, portable devices but also I would imagine for people that want to try and actually break into uh, people's personal information too so we'll have a little review on how things have progressed along that front when we come back at the other side of the headline so please don't go away stay tuned for more here on TNT today's news talk now we're trusted newscasters deliver the day's news at the same reliable time. TNT Radio News. That sounds awesome. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The US Secretary of Homeland Security has been impeached by the House of Representatives over his failure to address the country's immigration crisis. 
President Joe Biden's taken a swipe at Donald Trump after he threatened to abandon NATO countries who failed to pay their share of the bloc's defence costs. And roads leading into India's capital of New Delhi have been sealed as thousands of farmers in their tractors make their way towards the city. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, uh, in discussion right now with Christine Hart, talking about phone hacking, uh, Christine, very briefly referenced before the break there, uh, a bill that's going through a spy bill allowing for mass surveillance of all South Africans. Uh, They're currently moving that at haste through Parliament. If the bill currently before Parliament is passed into law as it now stands, the government will be able to mass monitor mass monitor, uh, phone conversations, emails, private messenger services, and web browsing logs of every South African behind a veil of secrecy in the name of national security. And in its current form, the bill proposes, amongst other things, to allow intelligence services to conduct uh, security competence tests on any person, religious organization, or NGO, expand the definition of national security, and expand the definition of threat to national security. In other words, an extra layer of surveillance that will be available to all people in South Africa in pretty much every aspect of their digital online use. Uh, Is that something we could see uh, motoring its way towards the UK if it's successful somewhere like uh, South Africa? And if so, is there any way to really combat that? If they really want to spy on you, are they going to do it? I think actually, Rick, that they are spying already and that, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't know about it. And of course... Uh, you know, sometimes when you're using your phone, of course, and you talk about things like, you know, um, buying a hair product or mascara, suddenly mm-hmm. you turn your phone on and there's an advert for it. So they're listening to us all the time and they're spying on us all the time and they say it's over terrorism. But, you know, it, it's just to monitor subversives. Um, you know, I think we're definitely in 1984. I mean, if you watch that movie i think everybody should watch that movie right now with john hurt it's absolutely terrifying i mean out now in palestine they're using ai to target um and to inform um the military about how to attack the palestinians and of course the ai i believe it's called the gospel has absolutely uh no pity when it comes to dealing with with humanity and i think we're being taken over by and it's interesting that there's a point in that movie where john hurt is is being interrogated by richard burton and he says man is uh extinct now he said we've we've taken over so it's like humanity has been taken over by something else. And I really think that that's coming down the line. And of course, if you say that, you get called a conspiracy theorist. But watch the film. See see how it's unfolding now. And you, yeah. you see what's happening out in Palestine. And I think that that's going to happen to us all. Why would it? Oh, it's happening out there. It won't happen here. Well, I'm sorry, but it will. You know, there there are rulers that are doing that. And they'll do it to us as well. Uh, the thing is, uh, when you just mentioned about, uh, you know, you talk about, for example, a hair product, next thing you switch on your phone, uh, there's advertisements for hair products. Some people discount that. Oh, it's just a coincidence. It's just completely random. I'll tell you one story. I was doing a TNT show uh, about two years ago with a chap called David McBride in Australia. And we were talking about Rwanda. Okay. And I was saying about uh, there's uh, a lot of people do handcrafted uh, arts to make ends meet out there. You know, they 
make little pots and little things like that. They sell them at the side of the road. They make a living selling handcrafted Rwandese products. The next day on my phone, I got an ad for handcrafted Rwandese products from a wholesaler in London. I refuse to believe that that was coincidental. What is the actual mechanics? If you know it, what are the actual mechanics? Your microphone obviously picks up what you're saying in your phone and relays it to who exactly? Relay Who, who gets that uh, voice uh, pattern that I'm laying down? Who gets it? That's, that's what disturbs me. Where does it actually go? Well, the, there are private companies that do this. I mean, during the Ukraine war, there's a company called Provo. Now, Provo are a military company. They advertise themselves as a detective agency. They're in London. They're all ex-military. They actually work with another company that's American-based called Something Number Six. And Number Six, uh, their job is to listen in to everybody's phone uh, on the Ukraine border, so Ukraine with Russia. So everybody, uh, military, uh, civilians are being listened into. They then pass that information. It's all done by technology and AI um, and voice. You know, you say a certain word, then they home in on it. But again, it's tech that's doing this, not individuals. That is passed by number six over to Provo. Provo then sell it to our government. So it's done in a shady kind of way. You know, I was talking mm -hmm. earlier about um, detective agencies. They're called MI6's commercial arm. These are different companies um, like Company X. Uh, I think they've mm. now folded CIX Limited, Hacklite, Kroll. And these companies work like a black bag um, operations. Mm. They carry out black bag operations for the state that are deniable. So if any journalist is doing an investigation into it, they think, oh, okay, it's not the government doing it. Well, they've outsourced mm. it. So there you are. And this is what these agencies do. And this is the agency that really brought in phone hacking. And it's mm -hmm. so interesting that John hasn't been mentioned, which gives you the heads up to realize mm -hmm. that it was probably an operation, a very clever one, you know, like all these journalists and editors, they'll suck that up, they'll start using it, then we can crash them. Uh, and of course it has crashed them. Editors on Fleet Street, I had a story a couple of years ago about chocolate and it was one of the big chocolate firms. They'd had salmonella, on the conveyor belt, a lot, you know, greasy, dirty fungus. And if you think children eat chocolate, I went to this, and I'll tell you what newspaper, it was the Mail on Sunday. I went to the Mail on Sunday editor, and I said, you know, I've got evidence, I've got a recording of the head of this company, one of the big ones, and um, I've got him admitting. And yes, I did use a ruse. I said I was from, you know, their uh, scientific department, and I spoke about this because I'd been tipped off about it. And he said, did you get that via blagging using ruses? And I said, well, hang on, I've got the CEO of the big company admitting it. So, of course, he didn't realize I was a reporter. And he said, I don't want that. I don't want that, you know, basically, oh, I don't want to go to prison. And this is children that was affecting. Mm -hmm. So this is how editors now are reacting on Fleet Street. This is how terrified they are of investigating. So think of it if you've got a dodgy politician like Rishi Sunak doing this, that and the other, they're never going to report on it. They're absolutely mm -hmm. terrified. So as an operation, it worked. Mm -hmm.
It did. It did. And you know what? You mentioned that in 1984. And if you can remember uh, some old, uh, you know, uh, spoof comedy films where if you didn't want to be surveilled, you, you would see two guys sitting together on a park bench somewhere, you know, with a newspaper over their mouths yeah. to be able to have a conversation. Where no, I'm sad to say this, uh, Christine, but it seems to be if you want to actually have an untampered uh, with, unrecordable conversation, you're going to have to go out into nature somewhere, literally meet someone and, you know, keep your mouth covered because there's CCTV cameras everywhere. Everybody is under surveillance now. And I take on board the point in which you said, when I said, could we be seeing South Africa style bills coming to the UK? It is already happening now. Uh, just it's not being done officially, I don't believe. But that's the way we're heading now. We've got to wrap this up. And before we do, I just want to give you a massive thanks for coming on and uh, imparting as much information as you did in the short amount of time that we had and also to steer people your way uh, if you don't already or well maybe you're going to need the avail of some uh, private investigative services uh, you, uh, you can do so uh, through Christine's business I believe it's Maria or Maria Intelligence M -A -R -I -A. it's Mara Intelligence uh, Mara Mara, Mara. Mara Intelligence, my apologies. That's why I always try and spell it out because sometimes you get it wrong. Mara, M-A-R-A, intelligence.com. If you need someone snooped on and you want to know what your other half's up to at the weekends, you get on to Mara Intelligence and I'm sure Christine will keep you right in that respect. Uh, massive thanks again to you, Christine. And hopefully uh, we'll talk again sooner rather than later. That's Christine Hart. We've got to take a little break right now and we'll be back at the other end with Fabio Vici from Cardiff University. So please don't go away. This is TNT, today's news talk. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. So I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, because I'm doing a climate roundtable tomorrow. I'm assuming that the network that invited me on is probably the only network that's left around this part of the country that actually allows climate skeptics to be on. It'll be interesting because I'm sure there are going to be some people there to challenge me. In any case, when I walked into the hotel, the person at the front desk was from Adelaide, Australia, the city of churches. See, I learned something, right? And I got to thinking that maybe tomorrow I will spring on the people that are there for almost unprecedented climate events that have occurred around Australia that are very, very important around the climate. Now, not directly with Australia, but north of Australia, the typhoon season, despite the fact that we supposedly had an El Nino going, was way, way below normal. Third lowest ever. That's very unusual. And that was the first hint that this El Nino wasn't what it was cracked up to be. As a matter of fact, the Southern Oscillation Index, which is the longest running metric of the El Nino, never got into El Nino category this year until now. But that was unprecedented when you had what we call the Oceanic Nino Index being so strong. That's two unprecedented things. Number three, the crash that is occurring in the Southern Oscillation Index is going to be the greatest on record from January to February. In fact, it may be the greatest on record from one month to another. It is unprecedented to see January with an above SOI and then February crashing the way this is. Now, in 1978, we had a weak El Nino going and then it crashed in February. By the way, they had all those floods in Los Angeles in 78, how about that? The fourth thing, the unprecedented warming of the ocean just to the east of Australia in a month or two. See that? Tonight's climate and weather watchdog was all about Australia. It's because I ran into someone from Adelaide. This is TNT Climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastoni asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got.
eggs. You can fry them, scramble them, poach them, boil them or race them on a spoon. But uncooked eggs can be a risk for food poisoning. To be safe, avoid buying dirty or cracked eggs. Always wash your hands after handling eggs. And if you're concerned, pregnant, elderly or have a poor immune system, make sure you cook eggs until the yolk starts to firm. Or look for new pasteurised eggs. For excellent eggs, handle them safely. Rick Mon is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, uh, really happy to be uh, rounding off the show today, talking again to my old friend Fabio Vici, who is a professor of critical theory and Italian at Cardiff University. Fabio, we were just chewing the fat before we went live. They're uh, reminiscing, walking down memory lane, if you will. It's been two full years now, February 22. You made your first uh, debut on TNT. Uh, how time flies when we're having fun, eh? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It's a long time ago. Um, it doesn't it doesn't seem like that long ago. But yeah, uh, I think we started um, talking about the lockdowns and uh, and we sort of predict we predicted a few things coming down our way. This yeah, particularly this state of permanent uh, chaos and destabilization which we're going through now. I think we we sort of, we sort of predicted it two years ago that it was going to continue one way or another. Um, and we're, we're still in it. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to be in it for a, for a while longer, given the, the general sort of socioeconomic, macroeconomic situation in the world. Um, yeah. So, yeah. The only glad thing to, we've got wrong, the, the only bl- I'm glad to see you too. The only blot we have on our uh, copybook was, uh, I think we predicted Draghi, uh, the Italian yeah. PM would remain in situ. Of course, he exited uh, to be replaced by Maloney, but he could still come back boomerang fashion. But apart from that, I always remember you saying uh, about the world uh, is just simply a large pantomime stage. It needs a continuous flow of villains to enable the printing presses, the money uh, right. machines to keep printing money. It needs one disaster after another. And as you rightly pointed out, the very first time you came on, uh, we were talking about uh, the tail end of lockdowns. Ukraine was just about to go to war with Russia, mm-hmm. which happened about a week or two after you uh, came onto the show. And then as that ran out of steam, uh, we were saying we need another war. And lo and behold, uh, October 7th last year, it all kicked off in the Middle East. The Red Sea uh, is being brought in this year, 2024. There's rumblings about ta- Taiwan and China, which we also touched upon. Could this be just another uh, continuing series of war? They need it, really. It's not that they want war. Yeah. They need war to keep the printing uh, presses for the for the money going. That's right. I think that's the way it's going. We see the, I think we've, we've entered this stage of kind of permanent warfare. You know, it's almost like um, a, 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 a warfare economy, type of economy, mm-hmm. where there's always some kind of emergency to fund. We know that the United States have just uh, sent um, aid uh, for about a uh, hundred billion, I think, to to their allies, to the Ukraine, to Israel, and also to Taiwan, I think, partly, and um, and that's what sort of feeds the the machine, right? The machine. Uh, welcome to the machine. Here's a musical reference for you. Welcome mm-hmm. to the machine, my son. Um, do you remember that song? We'll talk about it later. But anyway, it's a machine, right? It's a machine that needs yeah. that needs constant. Um, flows, uh, oceans, in fact, of liquidity to be thrown at it. And therefore, it needs one emergency after the other, unfortunately. So uh, and the machine is still controlled very much by the United States. They have the world reserve currency. 
Um, so there's a constant need to prop up the dollar as um, world reserve currency. And therefore, the United States are owning the emergencies, particularly the war emergencies, right? There's a sense in which immediately after the Hamas attacks, uh, uh, you know, uh, happened, Biden, Biden went on television, I think, to say, don't worry, we will protect you, we'll be there. Um, we will send you aid, we will send you money, we will send you ammunitions, we will send you whatever you need to fight this this war. So the idea is that the United States keep control of the currency. They try to delay this de-dollarization, which is taking place nevertheless. Um, and by doing that, they prop up the bond market, right? Because that's really the central gravity um, around which everything really revolves. The US stock, the bond market is crucial, um, meaning that when yields go up, the price of the bonds fall. That's the logic of the, so the bond market. Mm -hmm. And it, when the prices of these bonds fall too much, that causes massive shocks to the whole financial industry and particularly to stocks. Um, so yesterday, for example, we've had a, we've had a, we've had a very uh, clear example of that. Uh, although I think it's a contained crisis, it's not going to spike any further precisely because the the Fed particularly has a lot of sort of countermeasures in, in, in place, a lot of facilities in place to, to keep the market liquid. But yesterday, for example, um, the, the yields, the 10-year yields spiked, um, which immediately caused a bit of a shock in the stock market. So we've had, for example, uh, Nasdaq losing 1.8%, um, Dow Jones and, and, and also uh, the SP500 also losing more than 1%. Um, it's, a, it's a contained sort of <clears throat> loss, especially because it comes on the back of a continuous increase um, in, in stocks. So I don't think it's going to cause any major uh, turmoil within, 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 within the financial industry, but it's an example of how everything depends on the bond market. And um, these wars also function precisely to strengthen um, uh, confidence in the U.S. bond market, in other words, in the U.S. debt, right, which we know is is skyrocketing out of control. They are they are they are saying it. Um, the big banks are saying it now. Jamie Dimon, I think uh, Dimon yesterday, Dimon I call him. Jamie Dimon <laughs> said it yesterday, right? That that is unsustainable. That the debt is unsustainable. I think they put on about two trillion over the last twelve months. In, in, in government debt alone, right? So it's a monster that constantly, that needs to be fed liquidity mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think the purpose of these, of these um, wars, of, of these emergencies, this continuous streak of emergencies is precisely to keep the liquidity flowing into the, the system. That's how perverse the system is, right? We talked about this perversion of the system. The rest is a pantomime. Yes, it's a big pantomime. You know, they need actors, they need good actors, they need scapegoats, um, they need whatever they can find. Um, lots of hotspots in the world, obviously. Um, lots of red buttons to, to press on uh, on their screens whenever whenever they need one in order to, to keep uh, this system in in, in uh, working, right? It's a, it's a very perverse um, loop that we're in. Um, and I can't see any end inside. 
but but it's very effective. It's very effective loop as well, Fabio. Uh, you mentioned uh, two two trillion uh, being spared, the government debt increasing by two trillion. There was an article that was published uh, yesterday uh, talking about global defence spending uh, last year jumped, believe it or not, to a record two point two yeah. trillion dollars. So when you want to spend and spend big, it's like if you go around the supermarket with a trolley and you're adding bananas and yogurts and loaves of bread, you know it's going to take you a long time to spend a lot of money that way. But if you go into a jeweler's in uh, Regent Street in London and you buy yourself a couple of Rolexes, uh, you're into the hundreds upon hundreds of thousands, just two quick purchases. So if you want to yeah. eat through money quickly, I think the best way to do that is to spend money on defense budgets. So for example, right. spending is set to rise uh, in 2024. Now notice the terminology here. Okay, so it talks about Israel's war on Gaza. It talks about the Russia-Ukraine mm -hmm. conflict. And then it talks about simply tensions in the Middle East, or sorry, in the Indo-Pacific region. So wars, conflicts, and tensions in three specific areas that are coming together to bolster uh, defense spending to a record breaking 2.2 trillion, yeah. not billion, yeah. trillion dollars over right. the last 12 months alone. So this is also projected to go upwards. So they're not going to be curbing the budget anytime soon. They're not going to no. be reining in the defense spending. It's going to keep climbing. Yeah, two, two, um, two points to make, I think, about what you just said. Uh, first one is that Europe is doing exactly the same. I think that there will be more uh, um, military spending in, in, in Europe too, on the back of this. Obviously, Europe is <laughs> a big colony of the United States in many ways, and they follow exactly what uh, the orders you know, coming from. And for example, we've had um, Stoltenberg you see, a few days ago talking about um, um, a, a war with Russia that was going to continue for the next um, few decades even, right? So we're talking about an extended conflict that will need uh, more militarization of European countries. Um, we've had a number of signals already that, that <clears throat> point in that direction. Even in the UK, for example, this idea of conscription uh, coming back and, uh, and, the, and the military being. So um, this, this militarization of the economy, ultimately, that's what it's really about, as you just said uh, there. The second consequence, is, the second point is that, uh, obviously, this money that has been borrowed, essentially, this is borrowed money, will need to be paid back, right? Um, the debt needs to be refinanced at some point. And, 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 and the point here is that they cannot um, hold the, the interest rates this high. You know, five percent is too much. They the will have to find a way of 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 knocking it down uh, a few, uh, you know, a few nudges because it's simply unsustainable. You know, the, the repayments are just too expensive. So they will need to find reasons. Now, the point that they're saying that they want, um, I mean, uh, Powell is saying that they want that he is not going to um, to cut rates in March, as he you know pointed out, as he hinted at in, in back in December. But I think maybe the summer, June, um, July, something drastic will have to be done, right? Because the costs are just too high. The banks are becoming illiquid. You know, big banks are becoming illiquid. The Fed has, has different mechanisms, as I said, to pump money into the, into the banks. Um, but I think ultimately it will have to do with interest rates. Um, they will have to go back to some sort of QE some sort of QE, maybe with a different name, but you know the mechanism requires cheap money to be thrown 
at the system. And despite the fact that inflation is still going up, incidentally, this is not the thing we predicted. Inflation is not going to disappear. It's, going to, it's not going to go down to 2%. The, the report came, up, came out, I think, in the United States the other day at 3.9% CPI. Um, and I think that's fake. You know, it's much higher than that. Uh, we know that it's much higher than that. They can manipulate the figures. But still, it's not coming down. Um, inflation and, and therefore the devaluation of money, of purchasing power, is going to be with us for a long time as a consequence of decades of money printing, of cheap money uh, thrown at the system, particularly the big banks. Let's not forget that, that we still had to pay interest on mortgages that big banks didn't have to pay. So they, they had it easy for a long time. Um, they could they could uh, inflate their bubbles. The derivatives bubbles is out of control, for example, and all big banks are are uh, exposed to that derivative bubble. Uh, we know that the the um, the real estate bubble is also in, in, about to pop, uh, or is already maybe being deflated. Right? We we, very, we know that too. So there's a number of um of weaknesses in the system that will soon require some drastic action um on the part of central banks particularly i would say so, other, I, I, so i think it will escalate that's what i'm trying to say that the, the, the war zone there in the middle east is likely to escalate even further because of this uh, economic uh situation in which uh, in which we're in particularly the financial industry you know what? Uh, you talk about the war escalating, and we're, we're we're looking at the Middle East, and we're talking about Indo-Pacific. But in that report that was actually mm -hmm. published yesterday, uh, just yesterday, no, it's actually today. It came out this morning on Al Jazeera. Mm -hmm. uh, it says this, and you report. Uh, sorry, the report came out yesterday. It was reported on today from the London-based International Institute for Strategic Studies. And I listened to this. Also mentioned, you know, you, I didn't mention this when I was reading it out. I've just came to it, but you were saying, you know, they need to expand their theater of operations a little bit more. It says it mentioned growing unrest in the Arctic, the Arctic, <laughs> right? <laughs> North Korea's pursuit of nuclear weapons and concerns over China and also military regimes in the Sahel region of Africa contributing to world's volatility index. So they're even insinuating that there could be uh, ructions in the Arctic. I don't know that penguins right. fighting each other would be cause for uh, massive defense spending increases, but it might be that way. The Sahel region of Africa, North Korea, and of course, China's factored into the mix. So it would seem to be uh, that they have already yeah. factored in Act 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 into the pantomime. And even if everything blows over the events that we are talking about, Fabio, they will have other villains to come in onto the pantomime right. stage for us to uh, scream at and mm -hmm. uh, obviously spend a amount of money uh, to come to. We're, we're pretty much up to time. I can't believe... Uh, how oh. quickly this uh, session oh. has actually went out. I have to give an honourable mention uh, to our listeners in the live chat when you uh, talked about Welcome to the Machine. Uh, a lot of people picked up and that was a, a, an absolutely classic Pink Floyd song. And yes, just as we're up this up, taking it away from geopolitics, you and I love our music. Uh, what's on the death deck at the minute? What are you listening to this weather? Just very briefly before we uh, finish off the show, what kind of vibes are you listening to? Can well, you listen, I can only say that uh, what I haven't been listening to, and that's the Italian uh, festival of Sanremo, which is a national musical festival, and apparently about seventy-five percent of 
the Italians have been glued to the television to watch this this year, which tells me two things. First of all, that they're getting really stupid, you know, they've been watching these silly festivals, but mostly that they haven't got any money to spend because they have to stay at home watching TV. It's almost like we've gone back to lockdowns where there's nothing, there's nothing to do but watch TV. It's a painful musical festival to watch. John Travolta was there. And, it, and um, apparently he got paid millions just to make a brief appearance um, with some new uh, sneakers on um, that obviously the sponsors paid him a lot of money for. Um, it was, okay, I haven't watched a single minute of it. Um, so I'm not listening to that. I can tell you that I'm not listening to that. But um, that song by the Pink Floyd is always in my in my head. I think mm. it's it's one of those songs. I think it was written in the 70s and um, mm -hmm. it's so good today. Listen to that. And also Money, Money, Money by and Pink money. Floyd money. and also Comfortably Numb uh, because a oh, lot yes. of people are feeling comfortably numb. We could do a whole, next time we come on, maybe we'll just That's talk right. about Pink Floyd. What do you reckon? Exactly. Push all this Bond Absolutely. crap to the side. Let's talk Roger about Pink Floyd. Anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Absolute legend, yeah. So what we'll do is uh, we've got a call time in this one. I think we're just getting okay. warmed up, but that's the way it goes. Massive thanks to you, Fabio, for taking time out to talk to Thank you, you today. You and I'll stay in touch. I'll be back tomorrow with more on the Open Line and Locked and Loaded. Stay tuned for James Freeman here on the one and only TNT, today's news talk.